Thank you very much, Eunice, uh, for leading us as we've started. Um, very, very glad to be here once again and to be sharing with everyone this evening. Uh, let me pray as we start. Father, in the name of Jesus, we continue to give you thanks because you are good and faithful God. You're trustworthy. You're trustworthy. You are faithful. You are faithful and all your promises are yes and amen in Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we have such a confidence in our God, that we know that nothing with you is impossible, that we can turn to you at all times and in every situation and be confident that you, our ever-present help, will be there. We give you thanks and we give you praise for life, for sustenance, for your providence, for your mercies every day. We thank you uh, for all of us that are on this call, for many who are going to join or log in later, that we have this joy that we know you, that we are called your children, even better, Lord, that you know us, that you count us among the number of your people. What a joy and what a privilege. I pray, O oh Lord, today, as we reflect uh, on this portion in Matthew chapter 4, as you consider the work of your son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, as he called to himself those whom he wanted to be with him. I pray, Lord, that you would remind us what a joy, what mercy, what grace that you called us, that you reached out to us and redeemed us from darkness and brought us into the kingdom of your son. I pray that, Lord, you remind us about that call and the purpose why you called us that mission that you've given us, that commission that you've given all of us as a church, as your people, as your children, as your disciples, as your followers, oh God. I pray that you remind us today and challenge us that indeed our lives may be worthy of that calling that we have received. Where, Lord, we have not aligned ourselves to your will. I pray this evening that, Father, you speak to us and show us the way that we should go. And in all these things, with glory and honor, return to your holy name, because you alone are fitting and worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name we prayed. Amen. Once again, you're welcome, everyone, to uh, our time in the Lord's Word this evening. As Eunice shared, our topic this evening is becoming followers of Christ or becoming a follower of Christ. And we're taking it from Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Uh, but I'd like to just extend our reading a bit. We will read from verse 18 to 22, just that small section. And before we read, maybe even as you open your Bibles, if now we do, if not, um, just a small background to this particular scenario. Jesus had just come from that time of testing in the wilderness, in the desert, um, a, more, a few you know, moments before. And then he begins his ministry. He begins his uh, ministry of preaching and declaring the gospel. Um, John had been put in prison. Um, so Jesus began, began moving, began speaking to the people, calling them out, reminding them of the scriptures and calling them to repent. And in verse 17, he says, uh, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Then we come to verse 18, and the scripture says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. That's the word of the Lord. Um, so our portion this evening that we're considering, uh, Matthew chapter 4, from verse 18 to 22, like I've shared, reminds us at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, 
uh, when he has stepped out from the wilderness after going through those temptations, and then he begins to preach. He began by doing what I think anyone given a task or responsibility would do. Find those who can help you. If you're asked to carry a certain load, and you know you can't carry it alone, maybe you'd find someone who is strong enough to help you. If you've been given an assignment, any job. And so our Lord and Savior began by gathering disciples, began by gathering followers, whom he would teach and later would send to be preachers of the gospel. And that is very, very important for us to note even at the beginning. Because in verse 19, which is our focus scripture this evening, it says, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Some other versions will say, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. We notice in that passage that we have read from verse 18 to 22 about the effectiveness of the call of God or the call of Christ. Because we know and we are aware as we read through uh, the Gospels that Jesus extended what we would call a common invitation to all people. In fact, in verse 17, we read it, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is near. There was an open invitation, an open call to all people as our Lord went about moving from town to town preaching the gospel. But in this case, we have what we could consider a special and particular call to those particular disciples that are mentioned by name. And so we've read um, about two sets of brothers. We have Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And then we also have James and John, whom the Lord calls specifically. We recognize in that calling of them the power of, of God. And I know that sometimes if you have read through the gospel before, you can get used to it and bypass or easily go over uh, the work of God in salvation and in redemption. Because when Jesus calls to these men, to these young men, they respond. One, it is a call of grace. Jesus does not call these men because they have and we will see later who they were. He doesn't call them because they have signposts up saying we are, we are good people, we, we are ready to support you. No, he comes to them, not because of anything they have done, but because of his grace, undeserved. And when he speaks and calls to them and says, come, and many, if you've read these instances where Jesus calls the disciples, we always wonder, why is it? How come they responded immediately? What compelled, what moved these men to immediately leave what they were doing and follow Jesus? But that shows us the power of God's word, that he speaks and it is done. That when God calls out to a man, I would say it is, all, it, is, it is impossible that that person would say no. I recall Abraham in the Old Testament, how God called him and told him to leave his father's house and go to a place that the Lord would show him and how the scriptures show us that Abraham in faith trusted God and left his father's house going to a place he did not know. And so we have here in the disciples a similar situation where Jesus calls to men who have no idea where he's taking them, who at that point knew nothing about the gospel, probably very, very little what they had heard from John, because we know <coughs> when we read the gospel according to John, these men seem to have been disciples of John, had seemed to have been following him around or interested in what he was saying. But here is Jesus, new on the scene, he calls to them and they step out in faith. And so that is very, very, very important. We also notice that when Jesus calls them, he's calling them to teach them, to make them into something, because he says, and I will make you. So it, he, from the onset, he calls them to follow him and 
lets them know what his objective is, that he's going to instruct, teach, and mold them into fishers of men. So he's appointing them. Immediately he calls them. He tells them, this is why I have called you. One, that you would follow me. Two, that I would make you into fishers of men. When we look in detail, we ask ourselves first, where were these men when they were called? And it is interesting to note that these men were by the seashore. Now, I don't know how many of us are familiar with the, the shores of Lake Victoria, or if you've been to a fishing village, what they call a fishing village or a landing site. If you have been to a place like that, if you have had the opportunity, if you haven't, one day when you get there, I pray that this scripture will you know, be, be recalled in your mind and you get a picture of the scenario our Lord was in. Fishing villages and landing sites are not nice places. I can tell you, obviously, that the smell of fish, dead fish, is not very welcoming. The stench uh, that comes from when fish have been cleaned and separated and all that refuse that remains leaves a distinctively unappealing smell around that landing site or fishing village. So it is not a kind of place that someone would willingly go to rest. But strangely, this is where Jesus was walking. These men were fishermen, clearly. Some were preparing to cast a net. Others were repairing their net in the boat. But how our Lord, of all the men, that, of all the places he could have gone to, uh, because let me take us back a bit again to the Old Testament. If you recall, when the kingdom of Israel had been captured again by the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar took for himself members of the royal family, men who, young men who were intelligent, who had a, you know, a good form, beautiful. When speaking of Daniel and his friends, those were the ones that King Nebuchadnezzar chose. And so thinking about our Lord, we would have thought he would have gone perhaps to the leading places in the town at the time, perhaps gone to the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law and picked from those men and picked from such a, an accredited place. But he goes to a place where there are men who are not so refined, men who probably didn't have an education or if they did, it wasn't you know, of any importance as to give them any standing in society. They were not polished men. They were no more mean, mean men. And these were the ones he called. So that is the kind of place where they were. And we consider today, when we think about the gospel and evangelism and where the gospel might reach, that oftentimes, perhaps we have been blinded, you know, by the thinking of the world that there are people who deserve to hear the gospel because of where they are, because maybe they have a good economic standing or a social standing. And we have neglected some on the basis of uh, they don't seem worthy to receive this message. But we are challenged immediately by where our Lord picked his disciples. We will see again uh, that in all these cases, we realize that God does not see the way man sees. In fact, it reminds me again of uh, the anointing of David when Prophet Samuel goes to the house of Jesse, I believe, and the sons are brought forward, brought forward one after the other. Some muscular, well-built, trained military men, and still someone insisted that this is not the one. Until much later, after remembering that there was a son called David. David is brought not so manly, not so muscular. And then that is the one to whom the Lord chooses, anoints and appoints as being the next king of Israel. And so we are challenged from where God called these men, from where the Lord found them, that God does not see as men see. We know of course from where they were they were fishermen but let me point out some other interesting things and maybe important for us to note as well that they were brothers now some may say that that has no meaning or may be of no consequence 
But imagine the joy of being in the Lord's family. And all believers have a joy that they derive from being called, from actually being children of God. One of my favorite verses in First John that says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The joy, the happiness, the security, the peace that we derive from being part of God's family. And in that family, we find men and women of different tribes, of different ages, of different races, and yet feel so closely knit with them because of that bond that we share in Christ. How much more would that bond be if indeed we shared it with members of our own family? If we can enjoy such fellowship, such closeness with men and women uh, with whom we are not related, how much more with those whom we are related with? And so that is something important, that how could we think of becoming followers of Christ or even be followers of Christ, and it has no impact on those of our own household. Of course, it's, it's not uncommon that there are many who would deny the faith or many who would not want to hear the gospel. But I believe that every one of us um, that is on this call today, if you indeed find joy in knowing the Lord and being known by Him, if you find joy in that eternal security of being his child, it would be strange that you would want to deprive that joy from members of your own family. We realize that being fishermen, these men were obviously not rich. Because if they were, they would not have been doing such work. But these are the men to whom Christ comes. Those who seemed to have nothing in the eyes of the Lord, are still people. And so when we consider followers of Christ, sometimes, again, like I've mentioned, we may be limited by thinking a follower of Christ has to have a certain kind of dressing or a certain kind of speech or a certain kind of um, social circle or network. But the men the Lord came to had none of these things. They were unlearned men. They were not men of literature. Again, I'm reminded of Moses, of, of David, of Joseph, men that God had kept calling from the beginning of his redemptive work. They were not men who were gifted with physical strength or gifted with high intellect. They were seemingly unqualified men whom the Lord called and qualified to be a part of his ministry. They were seemingly ordinary men who by the standards of the world, would not have been competent. But the Lord received them, called them to his service. It is important for us to remember that this did not mean and does not mean that the Lord, because many people will use this and say uh, that we then cannot now expect a certain standard from those who are called to ministry or to of all of us as believers. Many believers like to throw around lines like, God calls the unqualified. This is by grace. It's I, I come as you are, which is true because these men are called just as they are, but they are not called to remain as they were because Jesus tells them, I will make you fishers of men. That transformation was going to make these men who in the eyes of the world were foolish to be wiser. Because in 1 Corinthians, the scriptures remind us that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. The men that pro probably at that time society would never have thought could be men chosen to take on such a responsibility were the men that Jesus chose to show us that the wisdom of God is wiser, much more than the wisdom of men. And so it is important for us to note that these men, though unlearned, though poor, were men who were diligent in their work because the Lord found them working. 
he didn't of course we know of uh, one of the disciples who was whose brother comes to him while he was seated down as a tree and tells him come we have found the messiah i think that was andrew and he's taken to see him but these men were found working and again when we consider david as well who was tending to his father's sheep moses again was still a shepherd but god calls them to leave that work so that they may come to receive an even better work these men were accustomed to hardship um if again if you ever have an encounter with fishermen you you will know that they are accustomed to difficult circumstances they face the 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 threat of death every day every time they get onto their boats they get onto their canoes to get out into the lake there is a looming threat of the canoe or the boat capsizing of drowning um it rains when they are out there they have to get back to the shore um they have to stay in the cold you know they have to be patient because uh, fish are sensitive any sound any vibration and they you know disappear and so these men were not strangers to hardship they were not strangers to to hard labor and again it is common that those who have come into the fellowship of believers have sometimes been deceived to think that they have come to be idle or to some laissez faire arrangement because those who are to be disciples of Jesus to be true followers of Jesus to be soldiers of Christ as the scriptures tell us must be prepared to endure hardness it is not something to be taken lightly it is true it is true that those who desire to live a godly life those who desire to obey the lord must prepare themselves for opposition must be ready to go against the world to go against the world and its systems to go against evil and wickedness in this day because when god calls his men he calls them one to follow him and of course we know later he tells them about the cost of being his disciple what it means to take up their crosses and follow him so that is very 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 important jesus intended for these men not to remain fishermen but to become fishers of men not to simply be men who go about their day looking for one meal to the other but to be men who fish for the souls of other men so that they would save them so that they would gain them for christ so that they would win them over from darkness into the kingdom of light and it is important that while these men are being called and they are being given this commission it is jesus doing it friends there is a continuing temptation often in our relationship with the lord to think that perhaps there are certain things that are our own doing to think that we can do things without him but it is humbling and a very good reminder that it is Christ who works in us it is Christ who works in us it is him who transforms us to be exactly what he wants us to be for the work that the lord was calling these men he said i will make you fishers of men it was him to transform them to qualify them to teach them to instruct them to guide them and so for the time that he jesus was on earth for his athlete for his ministry he lived with these men he taught them he spoke to them he showed them guided them they were witnesses of the miracles that he performed they are witnesses of the gospel that he preached i want to spend a bit of time on that phrase follow me because the way the scripture puts it and how of course Jesus speaks it says in verse 19 come follow me and i will make you fishers of men the and there is important because it joins two uh, sentences or two parts of a sentence <clears throat> that in order for these men to become fishers of men they needed to follow Christ and that is very very important they needed 
to follow Christ. One, they had to detach themselves from what they were doing. They had to put down their nets and follow him. They had to go and learn from him because how could they how could they become fishers of men if they had not learned the knowledge of the gospel from Christ, if they didn't know this Christ of whom they would be preaching and speaking about? It was important that they left what they were doing, followed Christ, and learned from him. So it is important, friends, that if we are to be followers of Jesus, if we are to continue to be his disciples, we must learn from these men. We must learn to follow Christ and to do as he did with diligence, because Christ was diligent in his work, with faithfulness, with obedience to the Lord. The scriptures remind us that those who obey me, sorry, those who love me obey my commands. And that is Jesus speaking, telling the people, those who claim to love me, prove it by obeying. So in obedience, just as Christ did, because Christ is our example. And he was the example of these men. And so an encouragement to all of us that becoming followers of Jesus is a journey. It is a journey that all of us whom the Lord has called are walking. It is a journey of learning, of being transformed, of putting off the old self, of putting on the new self, of recognizing our Lord and growing to know him every single day. And the Bible says that those now who behold, as with unveiled faces, the glory of Christ are being transformed from one level of glory to another. And so like these men who are called to follow Christ and he will make them fishers of men, we too are called to follow Christ, that he will transform us, primarily all of us, that we would be fishers of men. And if in any special way we are called, because of course we have clergy priests who serve in the church, um, and all of us are called to minister. You do not have to be a priest. Wherever the Lord has put us, he has called us to serve and to be lights and salt in the world. And so each and every one of us has an obligation, has a duty to follow Christ. And that is very, very important for us. Not to follow him one day, and not to follow him only on Sunday, but to follow him every day. We con we we are um I'd like to remind us again that when these men are called, uh, because at the beginning I reminded us about the grace of God and the power of his word. When these men are called and they follow him, it reminds us again that all of us must have our utmost affection on Christ. The scripture does not shy away from telling us that anyone who would be a disciple of Jesus must forsake all others, that our utmost love and affection must be set on Christ, that in comparison to Christ, all other things must seem as rubbish in comparison to Christ, because only then do we truly love him as we ought to. Only then can we truly follow him if we love him above all things. We must be ready to part with every other thing for the sake of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ, for the sake of walking with him, for the sake of following him. We must be willing to dissociate ourselves, disentangle <clears throat> ourselves from the affairs of this world so that we may give ourselves wholly, completely, because that is what our Lord requires and demands and so when we consider this passage again, and I will read through it again, uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. 
Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. As I conclude, I'd like to remind us about some of the important lessons that we should pick from this passage. And I would put them into in, you know, two groups. The first is when we consider ourselves as in the position of these men, as those whom the Lord has called, those whom the Lord has called by his grace, um, by the power of his Holy Spirit working on the inside of us and, and through the sacrifice of his son to redeem us from darkness and to bring us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. We have that gift of salvation and it is priceless. And so a reminder that if indeed Christ has called you and me, we must follow him. We must follow him if we are to become fishers of men, if we are to draw other men, if we are to point other men to Christ, if we are to speak to other men about Christ, if we are to share the gospel with anyone else, we must first follow Christ. Because of whom will we speak? Of what will we speak if we do not know, if we have not become acquainted, if we have not learned, if we have not been instructed by Christ? Two, in the second part, I would say for those of us who, indeed, this is actually for all of us, as we consider the salvation of other people, and I know that for any believer, because indeed this is what our Lord calls us to, we desire that all creation would worship the Lord, that all creation would be subject to Christ, that all would come to know him and be saved and not perish, because that is what our Lord desires. We are reminded that even in the work of evangelism, even in the work of spreading the gospel, even in the work of preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, we are only vessels, because we see the Lord himself at work in the lives of these men, that it is the Lord who calls Indeed, Christ said himself that no one can come to me except if the Father draws him. So we are reminded that we are merely vessels through whom the Lord draws men to himself. We are merely vessels through whom the grace of God and the mercy of God extends to those who do not know him. And that must both encourage and challenge us. Encourage us in knowing that we do not have to be limited by our weaknesses, as we have seen these men. We do not have to be limited by maybe our level of education or our standing in society or where we come from or who we think we are or who we ought not to be limited by everything, but be freed by the knowledge that it is God at work and he will not fail. For any whom the Lord has called, he will save. Challenged in knowing that if we are earthen vessels that carry this glorious power, if indeed the Lord has indeed come to dwell in us and has called us as his ambassadors, how must we order and align our lives? And that must challenge us. How must we walk as those who are followers of Christ? How must we speak what should our conduct and speech and faith and purity tell the world when they see us? Does it speak that we are followers of Christ? Does it reflect, does it show that we believe in God? It must challenge us to know that we are vessels that carry his divine nature. So I pray that um, as we have meditated on this scripture, as we have seeing how the Lord called these men to come and follow him, that he would make them into fishers of men. I pray that we've been reminded of the privilege, that we've been reminded of the amazing grace that saved us, wretched as we were. I pray we have been reminded of the purpose as to why the Lord has called us, that we may be with him, that we may follow him, 
and that he would make us fishers of men. I pray that we've been challenged um, in the way that our lives are led, in the way that we live, in the way that we relate, in the way that we walk. I pray that we've been encouraged um, not to give up uh, because of hardship or difficulty, but encouraged that as we walk and our Lord promises that he is always with us. I pray that we are encouraged that we have an ever-present help. I pray that we are encouraged that when our Lord says, follow me, indeed he goes ahead of us. And that is comforting. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And this evening as we meditated on that scripture, come, follow me. I pray that Lord, for all of us on this call, for the people in the church, for the people in the church at All Saints Cathedral, the people in the church of Uganda and the church, the body of Christ all over the world, I pray that these words will resound, that indeed we ought to follow you, that you ought to be the one that goes ahead of us, that it ought to be you from whom we learn, that it ought to be you from whom we take our example, that it ought to be you by whom we order our steps. I pray, Lord, that we are reminded that indeed we ought to live a life that is worthy of the calling we have received, a calling from the Most High God. So, Father, in whatever areas you have called each and every one of the individuals here today, I pray that, Father, you would continue to lead them. I pray that they will find comfort and confidence in walking that path you have called them to. And Lord, where you have promised and you say in your word that you would make us fishers of men. I know many people perhaps have tried to share the gospel with someone and they didn't meet a favorable response. Perhaps many people are afraid of even trying to share the gospel for the sake of being ridiculed. Perhaps others have never even considered it. I pray that this evening you remind us that you did not call us just so that we may sit, but you called us that we may become your ambassadors, that we may become a light, a beacon to the world for those who are lost in darkness, that they may see and come to you. I pray for each one of us, O oh God, that as we follow you, we will indeed be true and allow you to transform us to be fishers of men. But Lord, for whatever good we have found in our relationship with you, whatever joy that, Father, we would burn with the same passion to want others to share in that joy, that, Father, we would share your heart for the world because we know that you, more than any of us, desires to see men being saved and not perishing, that you rejoice over even one sinner who repents. So, Lord, I pray that you impress upon our hearts that passion and desire of seeing the lost being found, of seeing those caught in darkness coming into the light. I pray that, Lord, we do not get comfortable with where we are. We do not get comfortable in, in thinking that as long as we are okay, it is enough. But, Father, we would have a concern for others as you do. So, Lord, may our hearts desire for what your heart desires. May our hearts desire for the salvation of men as your heart does. We thank you, Lord, for this time, for this evening. We are grateful for your word, your word that brings light, that nourishes our spirits and our souls, your word that encourages and builds us up. I pray that indeed your word will continue to work in us, that we will continue to grow, to become that body that your, your word speaks of, that will bring glory and honor to your name, that your body, the church, would be a display of your power, a display of your glory, of your goodness, of your mercy, of your love, that the world will see, that men will see and be drawn to you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, uh, Mr. Prof, for allowing God to use Amen, you Prof. Uh, in such a powerful And we give God all the glory, all the honor, and praise. Friends, I was thinking when he was sharing, and this is the thoughts I had uh, had recently. Think about David. 
a young man who was uh, uh, who was tending sheep. For all of you who have uh, grown in areas where they, they take care of cattle, you know, you can imagine a boy that has come out of grazing animals and sheep in this case, and is lifted to the level of being a king. The Bible does not tell us that David went into this school. The Bible does not tell us that David went into this training, but all his life he was a boy tending sheep. And from tending sheep, we see him coming out and contending with Goliath and eventually God anointing him. And now he goes to fighting, running around with David. And eventually we see the Bible says that he, that those that were, this, uh, you know, th those that were in trouble, those that had issues, those were, that were hurting, they called him and said, come and be our king. And eventually he Saul dies and he's, uh, you know, taken on as a king. What was David? Where did go, uh, David get the training? The training was in the fear of God. The training was in, the, in knowing God and dedicating your life to God. That is powerful. When the Bible says that the fear of, that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, I think that, that's a true description of what it means, how powerful it is to fear the Lord. And who said so? It is in the Proverbs, the, 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 you know, the Proverbs of Solomon, uh, David's son. He might have wondered, he might have seen how the father was raised from tending sheep to being a king. Think of Joseph. Why did Joseph why did Joseph attain a degree? Did Joseph attain a PhD? And, and if he didn't, where did he get the knowledge to, to give Pharaoh a proposal of what, you know, what Pharaoh is to do? And that was powerful. It was life-changing. Where did he get the training? Which school? Which university did Joseph go to? The fear of God. The fishermen. The fishermen. Imagine the fishermen. Go to, to like Victoria and see the fishermen. How they think, how they do things. Look at them. And from them, they become a great, a great man that spread the gospel. That even up to now, 2,000 years, we still lean on the gospel. Friends, we just need to yield to God, knowing God, serving God, yearning to fear God, yearning to, to know him. That will take us great. That will take us to great places. It will open up new doors. And, but it, it needs you to cooperate with God. It needs you to cooperate with him to train you. You have to go through the, the school of the Lord, the university of the Lord, the training of kings. And you're sure that the training of kings is, is not a, a run through. It takes so much. So, Father, we give you thanks, honor, and adoration. We give you thanks for the word that you have uh, spoken to us through your servant. Thank you, my master, for teaching us to be your followers. Thank you, my God, for when we look back at the examples of men and women that were successful, 
There were men that were diligent to follow you. There were men that intentionally typed following you. And so God, you trained them. You went through, you, you made them go through your, your university. Lord, we say that here we are. The reason we come in the morning. We come lunchtime, we come in the evening on these calls. It's because you, we want you to sharpen us. To go through the training of kings. The training of princesses. The training of, 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 uh, of prince. Father, we say we are willing. Train us. Start with our character. Start with our attitude. Start with our mindset. That the mindset that can't even think and get a proposal that is life-changing, that that, that mindset shall be transformed. Father, we come on a daily because we want to be your followers. We want to know you more. And we want to be used of you, O God. In the name of Jesus. You who transformed fishermen into great men that with power, that squeeze not, that even though I know them, they are amazed at how ways they have come. You are God we serve even now. You are the Lord Jesus we have trusted. You who lifts a shepherd, a boy that turns sheep, and you lift him up, you raise him up from being Tending sheep, a despised role, you promote him so highly to being a king, to the palace. What a God that we serve. What a God that we serve. Who can even perceive it? Who can even think about you? Who can even understand your words? That you lift a man from attending sheep to being a king, to being a great man, wives. Heavenly Father, you, you we can't even, uh, you know, understand you. We can't even think to, to, to know your ways. Indeed, your ways are far from us, oh God. So, Father, we pray, we say that, yes, we are here. We are willing. We are willing to go through the training of kings. We are willing to go through the training of, of queens. We are here to go through the training of mighty men and women. We are here, God, to go through your training. To go through your training. Prove. Check our lives. Check our attitude. Check our ways. Prune us, O oh God, to make us into the people that you really want, O oh God. To be a people that will be your asset as a king of glory. To be a people that will transform our societies, O oh king of glory. That we will be a church that is unstoppable, God. Because we have learned from you. Because we will be known as followers, as your followers. Because we will be known as unstoppable men and women, because we have known you, because we trust in you, in the name of Jesus. And so our ways and our character and, and, and the people will become, will attract many to your kingdom, will attract many to follow you, will attract many to ask what we have uh, eaten, what we have uh, done. Father, we give you praise, honor, and worship. We give you adoration, Lord. Father, I pray that you bless our preacher and you use him. We continue to use him powerfully. You continue to use him mightily in the name of Jesus. Father,
Father, I pray that a blessing to learn of this training that has given us a platform to know how to be a people to take charge in the name of Jesus. Because when you created man, you created man to have dominion, to rule, oh God. But the enemy tries always to put us down. But you have given us the opportunity. You have given us the platform to be trained, to be sharpened, to know what we are, to know what we, we gain from trusting you and believing you. And so, Father, we cannot take it for granted. For sure, we know that you want to use us. We know that you are reviving the church. You are reviving the societies, oh God. And so you want men and women to use for this end time revival. You want men and women that will revive the societies back to your God. Father, we remember when you called Isaiah and he shared the plan with him and you asked him, I want a man that I should send. And Isaiah said, I am here, Lord, send me. But also the Bible says that you train those that you love. So the fact you have called us to have this is because you love us, oh God. And you have a plan for us, oh God. So Father, we are saying that we are ready and willing in the name of Jesus. That we will teach uh, our children, we will teach our people, we teach uh, those around us to fear you and to honor you, but also our lifestyle and our lives shall be lives where people learn. People will see us and they will learn. They will want to know you more, God. We pray that you will do it. We pray that you lift us up to that level, my master. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you adoration. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I have prayed. Amen.